This time on Holy Ghost Notes. Oh, a two-year-old could play that freaking thing. Wait, that part sounds really dumb. The existential. Unclean. E- existential. You need to pray harder. Existential. My God. Hey, what's going on? This is Mac Reiner and Tim Anderson, and you're listening to Holy Ghost Notes. Hey, hey. Good job with that, man. Thank you, man. Was, I appreciate that. Was, that. It was really good. I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to be it's good to be on here with you again. We've gone uh, probably I don't know two and a half weeks till we've yeah. since the last episode where we talked and you've been on vacation and mm-hmm. been traveling. What's it been like on the road and in Florida, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we flew there, uh, thankfully. Um, okay. So not much road time, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, we went to Disney a couple days. Um, stayed at a resort with uh, with my parents, um, which was really nice because um i think julianne and i spent more alone time together in this week that we were away more so than we had in the entirety of my first son's life hmm. so in the last four years i think this was the most time that we actually spent you know in a confined amount of time i wouldn't like measure right. it against all of our date nights or whatever but right you know in total like it was like a week kind of away from the kids we went to we went to epcot uh, just the two of us, and um, is the food and wine festival. So, I don't know if you've ever been to Epcot before, but you can like eat and drink around the world. And, I have. Um, that was so, fun. Yeah, we've done it in the past. It was a lot of fun, but this time they had um, a number of like food trucks for additional countries in between mm-hmm. the actual countries. So we were mm-hmm. hitting like everything. Um, ate all types of spices and <laughs> stuff that did a number on our stomachs but um <laughs> you know drinking all are you recovered yet now that stuff. you're back I'm, or are you I'm still good now still yeah yeah back it in. wasn't yeah. it wasn't off the next day was a little rough but you know yeah. after that it's fine but <laughs> but yeah it was it was nice uh definitely good to be back uh uh-huh. wasn't sure how uh the flying would be with with two kids um but uh that that worked out you know without a hitch so uh a lot a lot to be thankful for right now yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, welcome back. It's good to have you. you. I'm I'm actually going to be leaving here pretty soon. That's right. Um, the next episode will come out on September 10th, mm. and I'll be leaving September 9th on the Leveler right. Tour. Yeah. So our first show's in Philly, and we cycle around the nation. I'll be home November 1st. That's cool. So um, this will be the last episode that we do from my um, studio. Yeah. And after this, I, I have um big shout-out to Sweetwater, by the way. Yes. They sent me a bunch of gear. This is this is one of the pieces they sent me. They also Very sent cool. a nice case, and uh, they sent me the interface I'm going to need to to record from the back lounge of the bus <laughs> the back while lounge. Jake is getting changed out of his sweaty <laughs> show clothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, man, if you thought that it was crazy scheduling stuff now, just wait till I'm on tour when it's I was like, just um, that. I'm yep. free. It's uh, I'm free right now. And you're like, Tim, yeah. it's, uh, or yeah, Matt, it's 2.15 in the morning. Like, yeah. Well, I'm in California. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry, man. This is the best I can do. It's okay, man. It's it's okay. I I, I remember it's, I've taken this time for granted. You know, Same. You being home, farming, having kind of a flexible schedule for the yes. most part. Absolutely. Um, because it, it has worked in our advantage for, for getting these done. But um, it has. But I'm excited for you to be back on the road, man. I, I mean, just knowing you. And knowing how much you enjoy it, it's been a part of you for for so long. You know, I feel like you're you're getting back to not that you dismissed who you who you are at all yeah. in this time, but uh, yeah. I think I feel like you've actually built upon it with you know the 
the mattgrinderlessons.com stuff and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the conversations we've had on the podcast. But um, I'm excited for you to be back on the road because there's this, yeah. you know, you, you experience different things and you meet different people and, and uh, a lot can happen in a tour. You know, lots of stories can can uh, be pulled from a tour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. Yeah, we'll have those. more content to, you know, some more fodder <laughs> to right. talk about. That's I was right. talking to um, to my girlfriend, Annie, the other night. We were having dinner together, and, and I was telling her, like, you know, when I'm on tour, here's here's probably how my schedule's going to look. And we talked a little bit about, like, hey, I haven't really, I haven't actually been on tour while we've been dating. Right. We've been really fortunate to have this time uninterrupted for our relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel really lucky to have this time. Like I, I lately uh, God's been doing a lot in my heart in, in two ways. One is, um, and we haven't really talked about this Tim, but I think we, mm-hmm. we should in the future. Uh, God has been bringing me out of this place of cynicism towards Christianity. Um, I, there, there's still a level of like trust, but verify, but mm-hmm. there's um, um, I I see the good in yeah. Christianity and I see the truth in it in a way that I just I haven't I I haven't allowed myself to see in the past mm. five years or so. Yeah. Um. So anyway, beyond that, uh, the other thing is that when there's something that's coincidental, air quotes, that happens in my life, it, it's it's much easier for me to say, well, actually that seems like uh, there was a reason for this. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. in the past, yeah. it's been much more, um, well, I don't know, like that probably just happened mm-hmm. um, for no good reason at all. And, and and so I think to that point, I've been home for a year and a half um, and I've been dating and I've had just the ability to get to know someone and build a schedule and a routine uh, that's, that's really benefited me and the people in my life that I care about. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't think that that's just a coincidence personally. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's fascinating that you're saying that. I mean, a, cause I feel like I have been taken to a very similar place, uh, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking. Um, even to the point where like we're like, my wife and I are actively looking into church again, which was something that I had, really ultimately gotten to the point where I had dismissed it to, you know, where I'd yeah. be like, okay, if I never stepped foot in a church again, yeah, same. <laughs> which was crazy, <laughs> uh, for someone who had grown up in the church and had been there every Sunday, you know? Um, but I, you know, similarly have, have been brought to the same place. And something interesting about, uh, coincidence is that, um, I, and I don't know exactly when, but the word coincidence didn't exist in Bible times. There was no, there's no translation for the word coincidence. Hmm. Uh, it came into being at some point, I, I want to say in the 1700s. Don't quote me on that. It, I could be <laughs> Someone's very wrong. Someone's Googling right now. Someone, yeah. <laughs> Someone told me this, and I did look into it when they told me, and, and sure enough, there's no translation for the word coincidence. Uh, in certain uh, languages, There's actually there still is no translation for the word coincidence. So it's something mm-hmm. that we've developed to try to explain the unexplainable, mm-hmm. um, which is actually funny because that ties in a little bit into uh, what I'd like to talk about in our faith topic today. Um, well, I've, I've, I've actually noticed about you uh, in the past couple months that... Um, have you? 
Yeah, I've noticed not the coincidence. I don't think, but maybe it's not a coincidence. Yeah, but maybe not. Um, I've noticed. <laughs> I've <is> noticed. <laughs> I've noticed that you're you're just more. Um, you you have a a softer tone when you talk mm. about Christianity, and I've yeah. I've noticed that in myself, um, and I, I'm really happy that I'm in that place actually that I've grown out of that, and I, I think the time that I time that I was very cynical and to your point like I didn't want to be in a church I didn't mm-hmm. want to hang around Christians I think that point was that part of my life was important for me to go yeah. through and obviously it was a product of, of some things that I experienced but I don't want to live there and mm-hmm. what I realized was I was telling somebody about this I don't want to be 50 um, and be that guy and there's yeah. a couple people in my life who who are in like their their 50s um, who are just very very cynical Bitter, the church did yeah, this and yeah. the church did that and you know, if we're not careful, I mean, I'm 35. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be me. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be us. And and so I'm just I'm glad I'm glad that God's been doing a work in me in that way. And um, but uh, back yeah. back to what I was saying earlier uh, to my girlfriend. So I was talking to her about all this stuff, and I was, and she said, "What do you think that I can do for you when you're on tour to support you?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That is a really good question." Um, and it's kind of hard for me to actually remember what it's like to be on tour. Yeah. It's been so long. But I think the best thing is because my personality is very focused on what I'm doing and all in, what's important for me is for you to remind me where I'm from mm-hmm. and what's here at home, what I've yeah. established. Because ultimately, whatever happens on tour happens, good and bad, hard and easy, you know, um, and I'm coming home. And this is really what matters at the end of the day. Right. Um, and, and I said, I've, it would mean a lot to me if, if you go over to my farm while my dad's harvesting corn and just take a video. I mean, yeah. not only because I'm missing harvest and I love farming, but because that's, that's home, you know? Sure. And yeah, when yeah. I'm on tour and I'm away, part of the challenge for me is reminding myself that the world's bigger than where I am that, mm. that day on tour or what that yeah. show's like or um, what's going on on our tour bus. And in that way, it helps me be a nicer person and yeah. do the right thing because Grounds it's, you a little bit. it's yeah. not as, not as critical. It's not the end sure. of the world. Um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, I'm flying, flying Annie out to the West coast, um, about halfway through the tour. She's never been to California. Wow. Never me been to either, California. Actually. Now that I think about it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, never been out that far. Uh, you, you're welcome to come along. You're not riding on the bus or in my bunk or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. But you're. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll see you. Yeah. I'd like to yeah, hang out I'll with wait. you. <laughs> yeah, like at Disney, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From afar, you're the character up on the balcony. Hey, Matt. <laughs> Unclean. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well. Not to backpedal, but um, I think w- you said something. You know that there's a there's a reason, uh, and and I think it's funny. So for any of you listening right now, who have kind of been on this journey from episode one of us like aggressively bashing the church, <laughs> <laughs> um, to now where we're a little bit more, you know, um, or a little bit softer on the church, I would say. Um, I think. For me, it's been it's been a very good experience, mm-hmm. despite the pain, despite the hurt. Um, you know, 
and and I as much as I hate to admit it throughout this podcast I was in pain and a lot of the aggression came from that pain um and I think what I realize is you know humans are very very imperfect regardless of what they like to portray and and often for whatever reason church culture likes to portray perfection and it's the furthest thing from what the church should portray. Mm. <laughs> it should be portraying humility and honesty. And if the church had taken, uh, if the church as a whole would take the approach of honesty and humility rather than perfection, I think that this world would be in a very different place. And I think this experience for me, coming out of the church, being angry at the church, um, being critical of the church, it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing because it's made me realize uh, the things that the church needs to work on and the things that I, as part of the church, need to work on as well. And it's also helped me love the church more. <laughs> like, mm. you ever have, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, breakup sex? Like, like <laughs> that's not a, I mean, that's not a thing. But, like, this is almost like, it's almost like that for me. Like, I just went through this really, like, the mm-hmm. worst fight I've ever had with mm-hmm. the church and what God was teaching me through this whole thing mm-hmm. was, I love the church. Do you <laughs> see all this imperfection? Yeah. Do you see all of the, all of these issues, all these things that you are justifiably angry about? Mm-hmm. I love this church. Yeah, I love the church. Yeah, I think and so. That's I think where I'm been, at. I'm like, I, th- I need to love the church. That's that's <laughs> you know, love I think people, we've been fighting but, for it because we love yeah, it. That's it. That's I mean, why we have been yeah, we have been hurt so bad. Critical, like we oh, have been yeah. fighting and, like you said, aggressively, just <laughs> obliterating <laughs> the church. I mean, at this point, yeah. we might have some disappointing listeners who are like, "All right, I'm done yeah. listening to this podcast because I, I felt like I was on the same wavelength." This, yeah. This well, I don't think guys. we should ever stop being critical, though. So, for those of you That's listening right. that think it's all just going to go away, hell no. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm still going to be just as critical because I've learned now that I need to call it out. Like, yeah. it's important to call it out. It's important to love and to be patient as well. <laughs> but it's important not to let these things just, like, you know, slide under uh, the radar because, yeah, you know. Yeah. Because we're called to be critical and we're that's called right. to exercise judgment. And mm-hmm. judgment and love can, can coexist. That's right. uh, in fact, that's that's what we see in God, and, and that's yep. the that's the conflict that is difficult to um, the internalize balance. and understand. <laughs> How right. can someone have perfect judgment and also exercise perfect love? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, God God is just that. Um, he's powerful enough to stop it, um, and he's he's good enough to care. And both yeah. of those things matter and both of those things play along in perfect unison and Mm -hmm. i think that i think what's happened with us is for a long time because of our our hurt that we've been living in we have been heavy on the judgment Mm -hmm. and we've been fighting for something that we cared about otherwise we wouldn't have even started a podcast about it because it doesn't matter we're not sitting here talking about engineering because for us we don't we're not passionate about it yeah um and i think that for for us, it's been interesting because almost like on an Instagram feed, you can like scroll back through the last 10 years, right? You can mm-hmm. see 
the different parts of your life unless you've deleted those those posts and in this way we have a podcast that catalogs our <laughs> yeah. experience our feelings <laughs> through through her to where we are it's today true. um and and like i said earlier ultimately i'm just i feel grateful for the time that i had and i'm at the same time very very happy to be at the place i am mm-hmm. which is uh, i have a softer tone for the church it's the same amount and same level of, of care and concern, um, but it's a it's a heart it's a heart thing where I, I don't look at the church and Christianity the same way as I did even a yeah. year ago. That's right, and I think that's a good thing. Like for yeah. me, if if I don't see change, cha- change is hard and and hard to accept. But if I don't see it, yeah, then I know I'm not growing. Right, and like so. So for me, like knowing that, okay, a year ago, we were having these difficult conversations, these painful, aggravating conversations. Um, They were beneficial, but they were still (laughs) painful. Um, And here we are now. It's like, okay, I'm seeing change. I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing something coming from this there you know so it's it's huge Um, yeah but on that note we've got some really good topics for you guys today um before i jump before we jump into these topics though i just Mm want to give uh, a huge shout out to our inner circle um who have been continuing these conversations uh along with us and um huge shout out actually to uh brendan and sarah uh they are two inner circle members who have been with us pretty much since the beginning mm-hmm. um and uh they met in the inner circle and just got engaged <laughs> which is awesome. still blowing my mind to this <laughs> moment um so congratulations to Brennan and Sarah we love you guys um we're so excited for you guys and um if that doesn't say something about this community <laughs> i don't really know what what will because uh it's not a it's not a dating site necessarily but uh <laughs> yeah but there are some real conversations and real hangouts that are happening and and mm-hmm. uh you know the the some of the inner circle group uh got together in in north carolina a week ago and um there's real friendships you know these people hang out every wednesday night you know, every every Wednesday at nine nine p.m. EST, mm-hmm. you, you can guarantee there's going to be people there hanging out. So, <laughs> um, we love you guys so much. We you know we really appreciate your support. And um, if any of you are interested, uh, you can find out more at Patreon.com/slash/HolyGhostNotes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that's I'll leave it at that. That's my my that's great inner circle. Congrats, guys! Today, that's yes, awesome. Congrats, and thank you, Inner Circle. So our yeah. uh, drum topic today is um, composing a drum solo is the topic. And um, so I'll, I'll start talking about this. And then I know, Tim, you might feel like you don't have a lot to contribute, but I feel like after I talk about it for a little while, you'll you'll have something to say. Um, as a listener to this, um, yeah. what I would encourage you to do is to, to think about the composition um, aspect of your playing or practicing. Because that's really what's behind the solo. Uh, it's 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 how do you articulate what you have to say on a drum set in a way where you're the only one saying it, drum solo. It is just you. So yeah. it does present its fair share of challenges, but I would encourage everyone listening to this that, that plays drums um, to try writing a solo. It's it's humbling. It's a good challenge. It's yeah. difficult, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. And you might feel like you're not at a place right now where you can do that. Still do it. 
because a year from now you'll look back and if you've been playing and practicing ever since then um you'll be impressed by how far you come along and then if you stop playing you'll be impressed and maybe a little depressed <laughs> about the fact that you were better <laughs> you know a year ago than you are today yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot i mean it's it's easy to laugh at but man i know a lot of people who don't feel like they're where they want to be today and a year from now they look back and say man i should have played i should have actually mm -hmm. like done something with that okay yeah. so um drum solos so a little bit about drum solos it, my my experience with writing drum solos um let's go back so i the first time i saw a <laughs> drum solo was tony royster jr you've probably seen this video tim oh yeah hi my name is tony royster jr i'd like to play a drum solo for you i'd like to dedicate this to the late great tony williams it's like this little kid what is he 11 12 something like yeah, that something like that yeah he goes behind this kit and the throne's probably down the whole way and yet his legs are still dangling off of it like it's five feet in the air the pedals yep <laughs> plays double bass and he's playing like these intricate patterns with power precision and of course feel um so i've watched the solo probably more than any other solo ever what 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 solo have you watched more than any other solo if you were to guess. Uh, Aaron Spears caught up, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably top of my list there. Yeah. So that Tony, Tony Royster's up there too, though, for sure. The the Spears sol solo is interesting because it's it's him playing. So Aaron Spears played for Usher. Mm -hmm. And he now plays for uh Ariana Grande. Um yep. and uh he plays so he played at Modern Drummer Festival 2006 and he played this track uh caught up. And he's, of course, going above and beyond the actual playing on the record. But mm -hmm. that video had a huge impact and still has, like, ripples that we see in drumming today. I mean, 15 yeah. years ago, it's still legendary. Um, but he was a grown man when he recorded that. And and so that it's interesting. Tony Royster Jr. rose to fame at basically 11, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. He was just Agreed. a yeah. kid, preteen. And then Aaron Spears was probably in his uh, early to mid-20s. And before that, I don't know that he had a, a whole lot of recognition. Um, but think about the power of just a video like that, or in that case, a right. solo. Yeah. So it, a, a solo can do a lot in launching your career, can do a lot in garnering attention. In my case... That's not the point of a solo. The point of a drum solo for me has always been to sort of, um, are you familiar with like a nightcap? Mm -hmm. Before you go to bed, you're going to have a, you know, a drink and then, and then you're done. Yeah. The drum solo is sort of like the nightcap <laughs> of our set. Yeah. We play mm -hmm. the whole show solo and then we walk off and come out and play an encore afterwards. Right. Yep. So, it's challenging because um, we're coming off of the show. And so it has to transition from whatever song is last easily yep. into the solo. It's not just right. a standalone thing. Um, so in writing a solo, my primary concern at first is speed. So what is the tempo going to be? Most of my solos have lived between like 160 BPM and one. 85 
The solo I played most recently was 173, and that's kind of the sweet spot. So at that speed, you know, once you're determining your your tempo, you want to see, okay, how much can I get away with, or what can I execute well at that speed? 16th notes. Okay, I can do that on my feet. I can do that on my hands. Can I play paradiddles at that speed? Okay, cool. All 16th notes. Well, 16 note triplets. Yep, I think I can do that. And then you you have an idea of what you can integrate into your solo based on the tempo. So first right. thing, tempo. That's where it starts. Um, when I was asked to write a solo years ago, JB usually asked me, he's like, hey, you want to play a solo on this tour? Um, and, and he asked me to write one. I said, sure. I spent probably two or three weeks writing the solo. And I admittedly wasn't great at it when I brought it to practice for the first time. We had probably two weeks before tour and I, I played it for the band and it was pretty sloppy. Mm -hmm. um, but I got the point across, right? And I finished and I could see on all the guys' faces, it was just like, mm, went right over their heads. It was pretty tacky, didn't have a lot of double bass, odd mm -hmm. time, a lot of rudimentary stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of linear stuff in there. But it I could tell I didn't hit a home run with it. And so um I asked, I just straight up asked the guys, I was like, Do you like it? Is it good? And they're like, Well, I don't know. I feel like it should be more metal. People love double bass, people love blast beats. I think it it should have more of that. And while it was frustrating at first, they were one hundred percent right. I was more interested in doing something that I'm not as known for and trying to flex my muscles in other ways instead of just doing what works for me and what works for the band. Yeah. I, was, I, I was too concerned about the creative aspect of it. So first tempo. Second is who's your target audience? I had sort of forgotten that. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be playing Huge. for this. I'm going to be playing for this PASIC crowd, you know, where it's a bunch of drummers in a room. No, you're not. There's a percentage of people in the room who are drummers, but some people don't know the difference between a snare drum and a kick drum. Mm -hmm. You know, legitimately, they just hear Fast sound. Drums. They just hear, yeah, they just <laughs> yeah. hear a drum set. Um, and and it's hard to it's hard to remember that, and it's easy to forget it. Um, and so, having someone who has an objective ear hear you play your solo is really important. In my case, mm -hmm. I can be so focused on what I'm playing and what I've written that I don't hear anything else. I don't explore their options. And then someone else comes in, they're like, well, I don't really, I don't really know about this or this or this. You're like, really? I like all those parts. Throw them away, try something else. And then you'll realize, oh yeah, they're right. Yeah. You know, especially if they also know the target audience. Um, so I rewrote that solo, put a bunch of double bass in it and it was, it was sweet. Um, tempo target audience and then i think for me a solo really has to have structure and i think this is where i might be met with some eyebrow raising for uh, from some drummers so i'll speak on a personal level i write a solo and i play it almost the same every night i play it to a hmm. click track i know how it starts i know how it ends i know what's in the middle and though it might sound like i'm just sort of making it up i'm i'm not because i don't perform at the highest level if i'm doing that yeah. i'm not as good at improving as i am writing something and then perfecting that so you really have to know how you write but but for me it's it's about it's about composing something that i've created i've memorized and i'm now applying to the kit 
And in that way, I can create this dynamic. So the solo I most recently played um, over Christmas, it started off with this like real simple 4-4 section, and it has these nice tight stops in it. So it'll be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And on eight, you're stopping for just one quarter note. And that gives the crowd something to latch on to. It starts to create this theme. They know every once in a while, there's just going to be a short little pause and it's going to be tight. And so that gives them the ability to clap along and sort of wait for this gap, for that space. Um, from there, I then build it into this busy part and then I slowly bring in double bass. Bring the dynamic way down so it's just basically just double bass and then you're getting people clapping. So sticks mm -hmm. in the air, people are now clapping along, start to go crazy again. Um, and in, in this case, crazy for me is two different things. One, it's the entertainment factor. So how does it look, right? Right hands yep. up, left hands up, you're all over the place. And then the other aspect would be that you're playing something that's really technically difficult. That would be another form of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have to use difficult musical terms when you're describing stuff like this. Like when I'm talking to the band, we'll, we'll talk, uh, we'll use terms like crazy, um, shreddy, busy, loud, noisy, yeah. fast, tight. So, like you're just trying to get the point across and I would encourage you if you're writing a solo or you're writing drum parts just to make it as simple as you can on yourself uh, when you're when you're structuring the parts of the solo or the song um, and um, so going back to this so you have tempo tempo is really really important um, you have your target audience um, and then what should we call this um, the dynamics just sort of the tone, we'll call it the tonality. Tempo, mm -hmm. target audience, and tonality of your solo. Highs and lows, fast and slow. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind that not everybody knows what you're playing. To them, it just sounds right. and looks a certain way. They're hearing it for the first time. You've heard it a hundred times. So all really good stuff to remind yourself as you're going through this. Yep. Uh, the last thing I'll say is take your phone, which I'm currently recording with mine, and just record a video of yourself playing it. There are going to be parts of your playing that you really felt good about. <laughs> and after you watch a video back, you're <laughs> probably so going to change your mind a little bit. Wait, that part yeah. sounds really dumb or it sounds really simple. And why does it feel so hard to play? <laughs> I don't like this right. part anymore. <laughs> that has been such a valuable asset for me is just having yeah. my iPhone and being able to record it's like having someone in the room, a really good friend that's honest, tell you how you just did. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I do that. I, I record the video, you know, I record the solo and I watch it back. I say, all right, I know it's three minutes long. I don't, I don't like these parts. I'm going to go back and rework those. Um, and then if you're anything like me, once you feel like you have it done, record the whole thing and give your brain a break. We talked about mm. this with... Um, um, Justin Scott yep. from, uh, from Instagram, um, he was talking about you, you just have to give your brain rest. And it's hard for me mm -hmm. to relax and give my brain space if I'm trying to remember all this information and terrified that I'm going to forget it. I know some of you guys yeah. that are listening to this know what I mean. This used to be my biggest fear when I was writing like Thrill Seeker Messengers Constellations Leveler. Like, 
how am I going to remember all these parts? I spent so much time writing them. What if I forget them? Well, now we have this amazing technology that just push a button on a touch screen and it's, right. it's all there, right? It's all there. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that, do that, do that, do that. As soon as you are done, do not leave your drum set, turn on your video, record it the whole way through and then walk away and give yourself some space. That's great. My, um, one of my favorite soloists and drummers is on the wall over here. If you're not watching the video, you can't see, but I have um, Mike Portnoy over here. And the way that he played with Dream Theater and just the way that he soloed and wrote his parts, um, when I'm going to write a new solo, I'll go on YouTube and I'll just start searching for guys and I'll see how they structure their solos. I'll see if there's anything that mm. I can learn from them. Um, and, and I really encourage you, if you're listening to this, you're thinking, man, I want to try this. I want to try to, you know, write my own drum solo and I'm okay with not being the best in the world right now. I'm okay with the fact that I'm terrified to see where I'm at as a drummer. I get it. I get all that. Go on YouTube and just start searching for some of your favorite drummers and just search like, you know, Thomas Pridgen drum solo and just watch. See if there's anything that you can squeeze out of what they're playing that maybe you can integrate. That will push you so much as a drummer because you'll sit and you'll say, hmm, I think I could play that. And then you'll start playing it. It's probably going to feel a lot different than how you thought it would when you were watching it. When you bring it home, when you really make it your own on your drum set. The way that you play Thomas Pridgen's parts because you're the one playing them, it's going to sound completely different, even if it's the yeah. same exact sticking and orchestration. Yeah. So that's pretty much the extent of it. it. takes me forever to write solos. It used to take me like two weeks. Now I can get it in like a week or under, but it's yeah. just a grind. You just have to put time and energy into it. And then you get to enjoy playing it for people and just you know, for some of them, especially drummers, it's, it's the highlight of the show for them. It's mm-hmm. cool. Like I know JB is always like, dude, drum solo is my favorite part of our show. I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's crazy. I mean, cause he gets to put the guitar down for a few minutes. You get to, <laughs> yeah. Get a sip of water and yeah. clean your, yeah. you know, flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what funny. do you think? Is that, is that, does that resonate with you, Tim? absolutely okay. yeah man you, you hit everything i mean the, the biggest thing i was going to add was target audience and and you uh okay definitely harped on that uh you know that's i feel like you almost have to start there yeah know your audience you know uh it's it's so huge so i don't have a lot of experience writing solos um i guess solo type things i do have experience in transitions you know in between songs and stuff can sometimes sound like a solo if all the only thing you hear is drums, you know, um, or if drums are the only thing playing between the end of this song and the start of this one, you know. Right. Um, so I have some experience there. I, I think the only thing I could add to your flawless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't uh, think I've ever here. talked about drum solos. So I, I, I think hilarious. it was a great wow. idea for you to bring this up because I was a little overwhelmed at the thought of trying to explain it. Yeah, it's yeah. like if I were that to ask you, you about your job, job it's like you know how to do your job well, but but to try to explain it to someone that doesn't mm-hmm. understand, it's a little intimidating. So I, I hope yeah. it makes sense enough that people yeah. can pull what they want from I th- it. I think you knocked it out of the park. Some of the non-drummers might have trouble. Understanding they've already fast forward through this. They've already fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think the only thing I can add is um, you guys. Uh, so when you were doing uh, the the drums with with Caleb. 
you guys had a, a Griner Kilmer drum day, and you put out a video because uh, you had people come and play solos and you were judging them and the winner got a prize or something. And I think, I, I'm just, I, I don't remember exactly what you had in that video, but I remember seeing it and thinking, this is the perfect breakdown of what every single drum solo should include. And and if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was, it was technicality and precision, uh, feel, and then my favorite one, personality mm-hmm. <laughs> those those things adam gray i feel like you should always incorporate into a drum solo because mm-hmm. for me it's like if even as a drummer if i went to a show and the drum solo was just blast beats for five minutes i'd be like ah, come on no thanks but i think this is where knowing your audience comes in really well too is because i've actually been to shows sometimes a couple of your shows actually where you've done solos uh, and other shows where people have done solos. I, I saw a Slipknot show, uh, and Joey was doing like these crazy, this crazy solo at one point. And as a drummer, I appreciated some of the more technical stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know what got the people going? Mm-hmm. When he stopped playing mm-hmm. and just started like single kick. Right. Dun, dun, dun. That's when people were like, <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, and I was like, come on. This is like, you know, a two year old could play that freaking thing. But. But people were into it. So it's like, know your audience. Know that you're going to be playing in front of, you know, people who aren't drummers. Um, By the way, rest in peace, Joey Jordison. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, for sure. Um, Good soloist, by the way. He had cool solos. Yeah. Out of all the things that he did best, I think personality (laughs) was probably the best thing. Precision was big. You know, I I, I had some criticism on his, his, uh, you know to a click, yes. you know, grid right. uh, issues. But uh, but everything else, I mean, his technicality was great. Uh, you know, he had he had great feel for the style that they were playing, and his personality really shone through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when you're playing a solo and you have to carry, you know, five minutes of a set by yourself, you know, I think structure is a good way to put it, Matt. I think you need to have some kind of structure because as a, as a songwriter, if I were to approach the, the kit in the same way, I'm writing a five-minute piece. Right. It is a song. There has to be structure in that. There has to be dynamic. There has to be, you know, a verse, a pre-chorus, chorus, not necessarily like that, but it has to entertain. It has to flow. It has to move. If I were to get up there and just do double kick the same way, you know, 16th notes for five minutes, people would get really bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people would be like, okay, that's that's too much. A wall of sound. Same thing with blast beats, you know. Um, but you also can't do just, you know, I mean, Tony Royster, if you look at a solo of his, he throws in this really fast stuff that I can't even think about ever being able to do. Um, and it's great. But if he did that the whole time, I'd be like, all right, next solo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when he comes back and does some interesting stuff, um, and some simple stuff that it's like, oh, I could grasp that. I can, you know, I can do that. You know, that gets me excited. Um, and it's the same way with, with writing a solo for people, um, know your audience. If you're playing at PASIC, maybe throw some more technical stuff that the drummers will appreciate. If you're playing at, uh, your band's show and you know Mm -hmm. that there's going to be maybe one or two other drummers in the crowd, you know, dumb it down, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, add more personality, um, so that's that's really all I can add because I think you summed it up really nicely on how to write it. Um, I'm always most of my experience writing drums have been writing parts to a song where the vocals are the utmost importance. So it's how do I write to complement 
the vocals mm-hmm. and the lyrics and the feel of the song. That's most of my experience. In this case, when when I'm put in the spotlight, I actually feel pretty uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, because uh, I don't feel like I'm technically able to do a lot of cool stuff as a drummer. Right. But then I remind myself, right. oh, that doesn't matter. That's right. I just have to play something entertaining. Yeah. So as long as entertainment is at the forefront and you know who you're playing for, I think you can't go wrong. In closing, play, you know, I, play to a click. Of course, all you know, all the typical stuff that we talk about. You know, feel. Yeah. You know, play on beat, play on time. Yeah. <laughs> know your parts. You know, I could throw all this stuff in there, but ultimately, if if you've li- been listening to this podcast and now you're at this point, or we're talking about writing a solo, entertainment. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, I, I think in closing, I, I thought about while you were talking about something my grandpa used to say about good speakers. Um, mm-hmm. My my late grandpa, my mom's dad. He um, he would talk about Obama, and he would talk about some of these really proficient speakers and how they put together a speech. And the speech was important, but even more important than the speech was the delivery, which we know in the world yep. of comedy, right? It's like I can tell yep. a joke that Chappelle tells, and no one's going to laugh because I'm not that funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. Chappelle tells the same joke, and it's it's his ability to circle back around and grab that you know line from earlier and just amazing it's 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 an art um that i don't i have not mastered but in the case of a good and proficient speaker in a lot of cases they'll start gentle slow dynamically low and they'll Mm -hmm. build and they won't let you see everything that they have until the end so that you can tell hey this is a really high point based on the low point where we started um, and I, I try to remember that with solos, try to build those dynamics in where it's, it's taking the listener somewhere. Uh, while you were talking, it made me think of a pastor pastor is a pastor who knows his congregation. Well, is not going to talk, um, at length about theology and doctrine. If his congregation's at a point where they're just there to learn, um, you know, who Jesus is, what he did mm-hmm. for them and how they can live out a life that glorifies him. A little theology will be helpful in putting down roots, but as they leave the church, they're going to need to hear something, excuse me, that um, that they can relate to. And while you right. were talking, it made me realize people relate to that boom, 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 boom. They think, mm-hmm. oh, I could probably do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a two-year-old yeah. child. I could... <laughs> I could play that. <laughs> and I think you need to give people that in the same way that a, yeah. that a um, experienced pastor or a proficient speaker has the ability to relate to an audience and connect with them. Yeah. Build your solo in a way that connects with the audience that is there to see it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great, uh, a great way to end off that topic. It's, um, yeah, really important. We want them to walk away with something that they understood and then appreciated. So yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. you know, um, in promo for this episode, um, we can uh, put a segment of my solo up there um, yeah. from the CBR show, and just just as an example of like, all right, I talked about it for twenty minutes. Let's hear it. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> show me. Don't just for tell sure. me. Show me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Show me. <laughs> I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Cool. Uh so I guess moving on to our faith topic. Um and as per usual, we didn't leave ourselves a ton of time, but uh but we can hit this. So so um I've been battling 
how to label this topic because it's such a broad topic. It, it started off as just the discussion about things beyond our understanding and and it's kind of moved forward in, in my mind to perspective. So I'm going to label it perspective mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of being simple. That's good. And straightforward. But uh, this came about, so so when I put my, my four-year-old to bed, um, for whatever reason, you know, the evening time he gets curious. He, he wants to know things. So he just asks question after question and after question. I used to say even when he was like just starting to speak, he would ask these questions and it would just be, well, why? Well, why? <laughs> why? Why? You know, so every answer I had, there was another why. Hmm. And it just brought me deeper and deeper and deeper until I was exploring like the existential, 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 my God, um, <laughs> <laughs> meaning of life, you know, like, uh, like level I was having this basically one-sided conversation trying to explain to my three-year-old, like, why we exist. (laughs) And it started with, like, you know, why is it bedtime? (laughs) Well, because of this. You know, and it's just – and so this happens every night. Last night was no different. I was putting him down, and and he was just asking question after question after question. And at some point, I just asked him, like – why are you asking all of these ridiculous questions? And his answer to me was, because I'm a kid. <laughs> Kids ask questions. That what that's what we do. And I was like, Aww. wow, like that was such a my like it hit me. And I was like, dude, you are so smart. Like, and at that point, I was justified in asking that because he was like literally asking me, like, what is the garbage? And I was like, dude, <laughs> come on now. Like <laughs> because he was in that, like, well, why? Yeah. Well, why? Well, what is that? Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? You know. Um, but it still remained in my mind, like, okay, uh, you know, he's a kid, hmm. you know, he's he's gonna ask questions, mm-hmm. and then I was like, you know what, like, there's a lot of things, like, I've just been realizing one one after another, there's these things in life that I don't understand. Hmm. I'm realizing more and more as my son is asking these questions, you know, uh, you know, why is God and Jesus the same? How is that possible? Like, why? does God not have a mom and a dad? How is God the first? Why? Hmm. And it's like, I'm trying to answer these questions, but I don't actually know. Like, I don't have, like, I have my theology and I have, uh, you know, these scriptures to to base my beliefs off of. But ultimately, some of these questions are just so rudimentary and simple, but yet so difficult and there's just no answer. Hmm. And it's so like, how do I explain to a four-year-old that uh, God just was, and he created everything, and but he didn't build our house. Mm-hmm. No, we built that, but God created, God made the stuff in order for us to build the mm-hmm. house. Like you know, like the, the, all these questions that just keep coming up, and there's so many things that I don't understand, even just about life. Um, and I realize that I do the same thing to God in my prayer time. I'm asking questions. <laughs> They're rarely answered in a in a audible voice or anything like that. But I'm I have all these questions. I probably have a stockpile of questions that I'm like, as soon as I get to heaven, hmm. I'm gonna go through these questions right. because I, you know, <laughs> there's this whole world of understanding that maybe we don't need to understand. Maybe we can't wrap our minds around it. And that's not me saying like, let's just uh, give up and not be curious about it let's you know i don't want to get to the place where i'm just like well i just won't understand so i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna go there i'm not gonna ask the question um 
And and so and this all brings me to this idea of perspective. Um, Matt, you said in our inner circle pre-roll that your girlfriend asked, you know, do you think this is the end of the world? Everything that's going on with with COVID and and you know uh, p- politics and and you know Afghanistan and what have you. There's you know just one thing after another. Like you can't you can't get away from it. I I was thinking the same thing and and. I saw a post, of course, uh, I always, it always starts with that. I saw a post <laughs> on Facebook or something, and it was um, a story of um, a conversation that someone had. They, they asked one of their, their elders, uh, she was like 80-something, I believe. Um, they were like, you know, so like, I bet, I bet 2020 was pretty tough for you, huh? And she was like, no, you know, just another, just another year. And they're like, well, how could you think that? 2020, you know, what a horrible year. All these things, you know, a global pandemic and you have to wear masks and, you know, the, you know, the political uncertainty and all this stuff. And she was like, no, it's just, you know, just another year. Like, uh, and this lady had grown up when there were all these other viruses going around, mm. killing people. Um, you know, there was like world, uh, I guess there wasn't a world war at her, her age, but there was a, uh, war mm-hmm. <laughs> happening at the time. Uh, you know, she lived through like the depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so she's just like, no, this is just life. Like, th- like this isn't any different. Hmm. Like people are still reacting the same exact way. There's just, you know, it's the news is easier to, to find, <laughs> you hear mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. uh, on your little device instead of having to buy a newspaper down the road, you know? So it's like, everything's the same. And I've just learned to appreciate the things in life, the people around me, the, uh, um, you know, the day to day. Um, and it, and reading that for me was really, uh, impactful just with, with everything that I just said, you know, these, these questions that I have and not understanding like how, why would God make this happen? Why are there, why are there, as my son would put it, bad guys, mm-hmm. you know, um, God made them, right? God loves them. Yeah. Uh, but they're bad, right? Yeah. And God made them, God made them bad. No, well not really. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have all these questions. I, I don't understand. Uh, he doesn't understand. I can't. I don't understand enough to be able to explain to him yeah. how it all works because I, I've just been living life accepting these things because mm. I don't understand. Um, and so, so I, I want to let you have a chance to talk, and I want to have a conversation about this. But you know, where I left off with this was just like, there's a lot of things I don't understand. I don't think we should ever stop asking hard questions. I don't think we should ever stop thinking about why things are the way they are. Um, I think that's that's part of how we're built, how we're made. We're, we're you know we were made to be inquisitive and and to learn. And but at the same time, we can't get to the point where all we see is what's in front of us mm-hmm. in the news and in in the headlines. Like you know, for this eight year old woman, you know, COVID was another headline. Mm-hmm. The, you know, uh, the presidential race was just another headline. Um, not that you shouldn't take it seriously or that you shouldn't care about it, but like, she's like, what's most important is, you know, what I experience in a day, mm. my morning coffee, the people around me, you know, for me personally, it was, it was my vacation with my family this past week. Like when I was on vacation, I didn't think about any of this other stuff mm-hmm. and I was happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I ate and drank around the world in Epcot and I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I had with me was my wife and it was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so I think that uh, there's there's importance there. But I, I want to get your uh, your perspective yeah. on this perspective topic. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, that was good. I I think I think this is a very relevant topic that we need to talk about. Um, and well, I was at the grocery store today, and um, I was checking out. There was a lady behind me who had a small cart. I had a ton of groceries because I'm wiped out. Like my refrigerator's like my refrigerator's empty. There's there's a couple mm-hmm. like Mountain Dews in there, you know. And I'm like, I need to go to the grocery <laughs> store. So my my cart is loaded, and I was a giant uh, um, checking out, and I. I I saw the woman behind me and I'm unloading my card and, and I looked back again. I, you know, saw her, her cart full of like bird seed and some other things, a Brita filter and, you know, whatever else. And, and, um, and I, I felt this, uh, I felt like God, God told me, I felt like God was just encouraging me to pay for her, her stuff. Hmm. Um, and so finished putting everything on the the belt and um she started to put her you know her stuff on i said hey excuse me i said do you um do you mind if i pay for your you know for your groceries and she said what i said what's your name she said bonnie i said oh that's my mom's name she said really i said yeah i said i'd like to pay for your groceries and she's like oh my gosh she's like why why would you do that and i said because I just, I would really just like to do that. It's, it's, it's not, not a big deal. I'd just love to pay for your groceries. So I'm now bagging everything, putting them in my cart. She starts to put her stuff on. And I noticed there's a, do you know those little dividers you put in between your groceries to like say like the person in front of me is not responsible for this stuff. This is mine. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. paying for this. Yeah. That was there. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. She had put that there. And, um, I look up at her and I think she could tell like, what I was thinking she said you really don't have to pay for my stuff I said I'm not going to pay for your stuff if you don't want me to but I'd love to she said I just I just can't understand it and I said that's okay that's all right you don't have to understand it I just like to do this for you Mm -hmm. she was probably in her I would say upper 70s lower 80s and she said um well thank you so much I just I just can't believe this so I paid for everything and helping her putting her uh, her bags back in her cart. And I saw some bird seed. I said, "Do you have birds?" She said, "Oh yes, I, I love birds so much." I, uh, she said, "I live at um, well, I won't mention the name of the home, but she lives at a retirement home and she has birds." And you could just see she was just you know lighting up about it. She said, "I'd love birds." And she said, I, "I just I cannot believe that you're doing this for me right now." She said, "I could cry right now." And I said, "That's all right. You can cry. That's that's." That's okay. I yeah. said, uh, I'm just really happy to do this, you know, for you and to meet you. And she put her stuff in her, her card and, you know, said, said, thank you. I gave her a hug and she walked one way and I walked the other. And I walked out of the grocery store and um, I thought to myself, funny enough, no one's ever going to know that this happened. I, I, have no, I have no need to tell anybody about this. Um, but my first thought is, my first thought was, um well I started I started tearing up actually I started tearing up thinking yeah. about this lady 
and how this whatever the bill was it's not all that much it's just money it's not it's not a yeah. huge deal um it, it it was so contrary to what her experience is in the world that it shocked her so much so that she really didn't have any other words to describe what happened and the yeah. reason i'm bringing it up now is um because it it created this all in wonder in her and also in me so the all in wonder in her was why what's the motivation what's behind this i don't understand i yeah. need to figure this out i'm not sure about this right there was this hesitation because it's so contrary to what our society right. has has shown her especially i would it's argue recently which is yeah. just like a lot of takers a lot of fear a mm. lot of alter, alter, alternative motives hidden motives yeah. you know agendas um and then for me it created this all in wonder of god gave me the greatest gift of all and for me to give just a small slice of something to someone else gives me a, a sense of appreciation and just all in wonder for what god did for me mm. it reminded me a little bit and i i fast forward i got to my truck and i fast forwarded to my funeral it sounds sort of morbid but i fast forwarded to my funeral i died and there's a eulogy and my dad or my mom are giving a eulogy and and let's say this lady came to my funeral this lady came to my funeral and she got up to the mic and she said i was a giant one day and this man that i didn't know paid for my groceries and i it just it brought me to tears thinking about this and i think it it goes back to a tim keller a, to an idea by tim keller where he says all the greatest movies in the end will be proven true the stories behind the greatest movies ever shot and released we will find out that they're true because they all point us back to jesus and yeah. i i i think the reason it resonated so much with me is because just imagine someone telling you that someone did something for them and it meant yeah. so much to them, right? Just imagine that <clears throat> it's my funeral and someone that hardly knew me is talking about something I did for them. Now expand on that and multiply that times a gazillion, billion, trillion, and you won't even be halfway to what Jesus did for us. And yet, we're being told that that's being spoken over us at our funeral, that actually it's, it's right. not the end, that there's more to our legacy, that this isn't it. And so talk, talk about perspective, man. I mean, we yeah, got a dude. short little blip here. We got 80 years, mm -hmm. maybe. I hope, to, I hope to be 80. 75 is fine, too. If I live to yeah. be 90, I'm going to be looking at my drum set wishing I could play it, you know, like, yeah, but, yeah. but seriously, it's, it, we, we lose sight of the fact that it's not all about us and that what was given to us has been given to us. What we have even spiritually aside, take Jesus out of it, take Christianity out of it, wherever you are in your faith or non-faith, what we have is so great and if we sit and look at it and say, man, let me just sit in this place of appreciation and gratitude for what I do have, then it creates this awe and wonder in us that mm -hmm. will bring us to tears because we can't believe how, how much we, we have to be thankful for. 
For me, it really right. goes back to the band. It goes back to my job. And I think all of us, regardless of what we're doing right now, if we're working in a blue collar job or we're an HVAC technician, we're a landscaper, or we're working in an office setting like you, Tim, um, I believe that God's given us our jobs for more than just the time it takes to get the job done, for more than just the money that we make from doing the job. I believe that God's given us um, what's needed to glorify him, to give ourselves joy in our work, and also to love other people. And I think that if, if we remember yeah. all of that, it gives us this sense of hope and pride and purpose that is that gives us fortitude against all the nasty headlines. And when mm-hmm. someone says, do you think it's the end of the world? Our response is, no, I really don't think it is. And underneath of that thought is the thought, even if it is, um, it's okay. I'm going to live out today and this week and this month doing what I can with what I've been given. The, the, yeah. the thing that upsets me, and I think upsets you, Tim, about all of this, this mentality of like end times, this end times discussion and the left behind book mm-hmm. series and movie series. For me, it's upsetting because it negates what I believe God's purpose for us here is, which, which is to enjoy our time here. That's right. It's to enjoy yep. the relationships we have. It's to enjoy him. And like C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis used to say, there's more of heaven on earth than what we'd like to imagine. I'm just sort of paraphrasing. And there's more hell on earth. It's not like we live our lives, get to the end of it, die, and then there's heaven, and then there's hell. No, it's, I believe there's a lot here. Uh, there's a lot of both, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, the, the apocalyptic doom and gloom, end times, left behind mentality, I think robs people of the yeah. joy that we we're designed to experience here. I 100% agree, man. I it's it's you can almost say it's a coincidence uh <laughs> that like everything you just said is so in line with 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 my thoughts recently. Actually the so the first day I got back from uh vacation, I I attended a funeral of a close friend. And um it seems to be happening more and more as I get older as to be expected, mm-hmm. you know, in the last couple months I've I, I've attended a few and it's just it's always tough, but so this specific funeral that I went to, same thing, made me kind of fast forward to my funeral. Mm-hmm. So this this funeral was packed to the nines. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough seats for people. This guy packed out the place, wow. and and I so that started me thinking. I was like, huh, you know, I wonder if if I will have impacted this many people who would actually come to my funeral when I die. Hmm. Thinking, was I? Um, a nice enough person or a, you know, a caring enough person? Did I make enough relationships? Did I make people love me mm-hmm. enough to actually want to come to my funeral? And the next, it was almost like a split second later, uh, this guy's wife comes up and, and she says, um, Dave wouldn't want you all to be here because he wouldn't want you to take the time of day for him. Mm. He wouldn't want you to make a big deal out of this. Mm. And right in that instant, I was like convicted of my own thoughts, thinking like, how could I pack out my funeral? <laughs> how could I, you know, how could I, uh, how do I make sure that I have this many people come to, to you know, to celebrate my yeah. life? And, and I was like, well, <laughs> the reason there's so many people here today yeah. is because Dave does not care yeah. about himself. Yeah, that's right. 
he spent his entire life loving people. And, and later someone went on, it was actually my brother went on to say uh, a little, a few words and just said like the thing that was special about Dave is that he made you feel like you were the most important person in his life. Mm-hmm. He, he made you feel like he, that like, like you were his favorite. Mm. And that was what was so special about him. And I had to agree. I was like, man, if you were to ask me, I would be like, yeah, I think I'm probably Dave's favorite. <laughs> I'm probably the one that he likes the yeah. best. Because that's how he made me feel. And and so, like, he was on to something. Yeah. Like, that's how we should be living. And, and taking this back to our conversation about the church, you know, what, what I've learned over the past few years with all of this, all of this frustration um, animosity towards the church is that God was showing me, God was showing me the disgusting. He was showing me the the worst parts. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately where he brought me was, I love this. Mm. I don't love the disgusting parts, but I love, I love the Mm -hmm. church. I, I, I love this and I need you to love it too. Like that's where he brought me. So it was, you know, love is always, and that's where, that's where your, um, inkling Mm -hmm. to, to pay for this woman's Mm -hmm. groceries came from. It was love, Mm -hmm. you know, it might not have been like, oh, I love this woman. So I need to do this. It was God loves me so much. And I just want to show someone a a portion of that love. Like that's, that's how we need to be living. Mm -hmm. And how much satisfaction did you walk away from that day? I mean, obviously enough to remember it and and talk about it on on the podcast today, right? I mean, like for me, like everything that I can think of is that that has really stuck with me as the most impactful moments in my life are are things that I've done for other people. Hmm. It wasn't that really cool gift that I got from somebody or you know that uh, that thing that I, that I did for myself that one day. It's it's all when I was serving somebody mm-hmm. or when I was doing something for this person or when I went out of my way to help, that's when I walked away with the most satisfaction. It's because it's a two, it's twofold. Mm-hmm. Love isn't just a simple, like, I'm going to love someone and we'll leave it at that. Like you get replenished because it's not, it's ultimately not our mm-hmm. love. And that's real confusing. And I don't want to go too deep into that, but I, that's, that's what I think. It's like when you pour out love, you get refilled with mm-hmm. love and getting refilled with love is one of the best things mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the world. <laughs> so let's keep pouring out that love so that we can keep getting refilled. Yeah. I think, um, I, I, I want to speak to, um, to those that are in the place that we were in, uh, and mm-hmm. you're looking at all of this and you're going, Hmm, see what, see what you're saying. I guess I can't disagree with it, but I'm not there. I would say, mm-hmm. I would remind myself and you, Tim, and I would speak to that in um, bringing up this, uh, a lady that I was listening to recently talk about resilience, about resilient people. And she made three points. The The, the first point, funny enough, the only one that I can remember <laughs> of the three is resilient people know that shit happens. Yeah. And when she said that, I realized that's been most of our frustration with the church. It's been that the church has failed in teaching myself and you and much of our generation that shit happens. And so when it does, you're preached at with a bunch of bogus theology that says you need to pray harder. You need to speak different things into existence. You need to change the course of whatever's happening. You did something to deserve this, you know? And so all of that is weight for you to bear, right? 
all of that is way for you yeah. to bear nonsense True. nonsense all right shit happens to everybody yeah. and the sooner that we remember that pain and suffering doesn't play favorites with good and bad with those that are living their lives in an upright you know righteous fashion and those that don't life is a, a broken state and the sooner that you realize that marriage is is tough that relationships fail that substance abuse is a reality that depression and anxiety are common that there's war <laughs> that there's pandemics yeah. that there's viruses that there's pain and suffering and disease and sickness and death i mean all of this doom and gloom that we see in the news the reason that it's so difficult for the church to handle i believe is that we have not addressed the fact that shit happens and in order mm -hmm. to be a resilient person you don't ignore that fact you actually take it in and sit in it and realize that it's true and then put all of your faith and stock in jesus as a christian who faced pain and suffering and shit happens i mean <laughs> yeah death yeah right death um yeah. and and took it and beat it for you and for me and so mm -hmm. you can face that pain and suffering knowing that someone else did to a degree you'll never even realize and you'll walk out you'll right. walk out of that grocery store like i like i did today or like that lady hopefully did today where she just couldn't believe that that was true and meanwhile everything else is falling around you falling to the ground and burning up i mean the world is on fire and yet it doesn't really touch you because you've you've come you've come to terms with the fact that we live in a broken world and that you are also broken you are also broken and right. and from that brokenness you can find healing and that's why I think so yeah. many of our listeners, so many of you guys listening to this, guys and girls listening to this, you know, resonate this, you know, this resonates with you because you also agree with the fact that like it's it's upsetting that yeah. Christianity turns its back on those that aren't fitting the template or don't look the right way or aren't don't have all their ducks in line. And it's like, wait, like where do I fit in? Like I need to be mm -hmm. honest about all of this. And I don't feel like I can be yeah. honest and also be inside of that, you know, denomination or that church. And so right. um, I would just speak speak to you if you're in that place and just encourage you to sit in that place, actually. And don't don't deny yourself the time you need to heal and pray through it. But also encourage you to know that Tim and I are, you know, we've been working through this for years. And we're at a place mm -hmm. now that's just a little bit different. Uh, in, in our perspective towards the church and Christianity, but it's really because of the time we spent dealing with it, fighting, yeah. fighting against yeah. it, hating it, you know, kicking it, kicking it around, seeing what it's made of, you know? Yeah, that's right. One of my favorite verses, and I don't even know which passage it is, but it says, <laughs> where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that always hit me growing up was like, okay, well, God's here, so bring on the freedom. Now, it's my perspective has changed a little bit, and it's like, if I'm not experiencing freedom, then the Spirit of the Lord isn't mm. in it. And, and so that little flip-flop there 
kind of change similar to jb's flip-flop <laughs> i'm just kidding um that little change of thinking that little revelation um is now how i i test a lot of things it's it's my litmus test you know if, if there's not freedom here then it's probably the spirit of the lord isn't mm-hmm. in it <laughs> mm-hmm. right and and so it, it, as you said you know this this pain it's sometimes necessary um obviously it took Matt and I this amount of time to to come to this place and we're still going through it uh, you know I am by no means at the end of this road but um what I can say is that like it's not a burden that you need to bear there's no freedom in carrying that around which means that the spirit of the Lord isn't mm-hmm. in that <laughs> maybe the spirit of the Lord was in your decision to to leave your church or to recognize the faults in uh some of these people um but ultimately the lord is not in you carrying that around Mm. so you can let it go uh i want to end with this uh tweet actually that i that i saw it was from uh ron rollheiser i don't know who he is can't vouch for him uh but uh i i i just thought about this when we were talking and and um it's the quote is it's Not being involved with church because of the church's faults is often a great rationalization. But what is too painful to deal with is not the church's imperfections, but my own fantasies about my own goodness. I love that quote because, you know, we've been talking about, you know, deconstruction, talking about our faith. Um, You know, obviously most of us will recognize, like, it's not an issue with God. It's an issue with the church. It's an issue with these people. But when we abandon the church because of their imperfections, we're doing exactly the same thing, hmm. <laughs> right? We're saying, oh, I don't struggle with yeah, those things, so true. I'm above them. That hit me like a ton <laughs> of bricks, man. I had to digest that for yeah. weeks. <laughs> um, and that has helped me come to this place, too. Those two things, mm. you know, just A, let it go. It is not my burden to carry. Mm. Uh, can I be angry about it? Righteously, yes. Yeah. 100%. Um, do I need to carry it around with me? Hmm. No. Does it have to be my prerogative to uh, deconstruct everyone's uh, idea of the church and Christianity? No, mm-hmm. no, of course not. I'm working on myself mm-hmm. because I have all these issues that I'm trying to, to work on and I've been internalizing and this pain that has been speaking through, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the things that I say, not that everything I've said in the past two years are completely inaccurate and came from this place of anger and, and feelings, you know, um, I don't want to say that, but I will say like, you know, um, some, some of it was just a failure to admit that I have my faults mm-hmm. too and um, that's a great point. That's not necessarily going to get me back into my old church, <laughs> but but it will help me understand and will help me be a little bit more uh, sensitive and loving yeah. towards, um, you know, towards people. Yeah. Um, because God God loved me. God loves mm. me, despite everything that I know that I do. And so I have no reason not mm. to love anyone else, regardless of what they do. That's great. So little perspective for you guys. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Thank, thank you so much to everyone for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate yeah. all of you. Um, in case you missed it, Tim talked about a couple who met in our inner circle, which is our um, basically our 
the way we stay alive uh, as a podcast. Mm-hmm. We've been running a long time. We really appreciate everyone that supports us. If you're interested in signing up, uh, we have a Patreon that you can sign up for. It's called The Inner Circle. There's a lot of perks there. Um, once again, if you're, uh, if you're listening for the first time, um, <clears throat> just thank you. Thank you very much for checking this out. And yeah. uh, we're happy to have you on board. If you've been with us for a lot longer, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And and uh, in addition, um, I want to thank the Inner Circle Group, not just for their financial support, but um, a number of you just in the past week reached out to me um, with encouragement, actually, just thanking me uh, and, and Matt uh, for you know, our work with the podcast and, and for the effort that we put into it. And honestly, that for me goes even further than, than the mm-hmm. money. Like, you know, we'd probably still be trying to do this even if we weren't getting paid to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but the encouragement, just, just hearing that you guys are benefiting from this and, you know, uh, that it's helping as making a difference in some way is just, is really, really huge. And it seemed like it was all within like three days that a bunch of, a bunch of you just reached out to me and, and yeah, just gave me some encouragement. So I appreciate that. Um, love you guys. Um, and thanks again to all of you listening. Um, if you have any thoughts, uh, questions, uh, feel free, feel free to reach out to us, uh, Matt and Tim at the Holy ghost notes.com or, uh, any of the socials, Instagram.com slash Holy ghost notes. Um, and yeah, if you're on Instagram or, or Facebook, uh, make sure if you're posting your drum videos to use the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes to uh, potentially get featured as our Groove of the mm-hmm. Week. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating real quick. doesn't have to be five star. We'd love it, but, you know, <laughs> give us a fair rating. Give us what you think That's we're right. Worth. We can take it. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. This has been great. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, love, love you man. too, buddy. All right. We'll see you guys. Beep.